Basketball back in the win column after a loss on Thursday. And Clemson back to recruiting a lot of really good players. What does it mean for Ohio State? Well, basketball is obvious. I'll talk about why and how Ohio State was able to get back on the winning track against Northwestern on Sunday. And I'll tell you how Clemson's recruiting success means a lot more to college football going forward. Little tease, it actually could help a lot of teams. I'll explain that coming up later on Locked on Buckeyes podcast, your daily Ohio State football and basketball podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Lamb. Thank you for giving us a listen. Again, basketball coming up here in just a minute and college football recruiting sets by Clemson. I'll explain what that means for the playoff picture. How's that for cheese? Thanks for listening. You can find us on your favorite podcasting platform, Apple iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, etc. Be sure to tell a friend, family member, anybody you know that wants to listen to the Buckeyes podcast several times a week. Send them our direction. Find me on Twitter at KYLAM8. Find the show at Locked On Buckeye. We'll be back in just a second to discuss Ohio State's win at Northwestern Sunday night. We've got two games to catch up on as there was not an episode of Locked On Buckeyes on Friday. So we have the Minnesota game as well as the Northwestern game. Ohio State getting back off the getting back on track and off the schneid on Sunday at Northwestern. Now, first and foremost, before we look at the big picture between these two games, the Northwestern game was, in essence, a must-win. Not so much for the tournament profile, as they still have a little wiggle room there, but it's a must-win in that there, there simply are not any easy wins in this league. Even at Northwestern is not an easy game. They are clearly one of the two worst teams in the Big Ten right now. A Big Ten that has an outside chance of getting 11, maybe even a small chance of 12 teams in the tournament. Right now, most bracketologists that do this work have the Big Ten having 10 or 11 teams in. Purdue is generally the 12th team. They have a lot of losses, good losses, but still losses nonetheless. So they're on the outside looking in. But the other 11 teams in the Big Ten are generally considered in the field as of today. Minnesota is the most bubblest of bubble teams for the league. So with Nebraska and Northwestern being the only two teams that do not have a shot at the NCAA tournament, it goes without saying that Ohio State had to win this game. It wasn't so much, as I said, because of their tournament profile, tournament resume, but they just needed to stop the bleeding. They needed to get some confidence. And it's interesting because they got the win at Northwestern that they badly needed. But I didn't think the game was that much different with the game they lost at home against Minnesota on Thursday. And I wasn't here. I didn't have an episode Friday to say this. But the ironic thing is I didn't think that they played as bad on Thursday. And I know people don't want to hear that. People don't care to hear that. It doesn't make them feel any better because it is a results-oriented business and they still lost the game. But when you have a team that is struggling like Ohio State has, you have to look beyond the final score. You have to look at beyond the box score. You just have to look for things that are improving. When you're trying to project how the team will do later down the season, you can't just bottom line it and say, well, they got the win or they didn't get the win. It's not that simple. And coaches don't look at it that way. They shouldn't be. They're not turning on and firing up 
the uh, the game after the fact, two days later, or a day after the game, they're not firing up the film with their team and say, well, you guys won, so we're not going to look at what we did wrong today. They're not looking at it like that. They're always looking for ways to improve, and they're doing that win or lose. They're looking at what they did right and wrong. And I thought against Minnesota, Ohio State actually showed small, teeny, tiny signs. There, there was some certain areas that were not good in that game, but there were also some good areas. And, and the, I'll lump the two games together. Things that I, I like that I've seen is a little more fire from Dwayne Washington. The offense badly needs that right now. Justin Orens had a really good game against Northwestern. His shooting kind of balanced out the offense a little bit because I think what's happening with Ohio State right now is teams are focusing so much attention on Caleb Wesson. And I'll be honest, this is something I said at the very beginning of the season that I was worried about. And I didn't talk much about it because Ohio State was finding so many ways to score for several for several weeks. But it's kind of turning its ugly head during this losing streak. And that is Caleb Wesson is being indecisive with the ball in the paint. And that's not all his fault. He's not getting a lot of help. He's taught to be patient to watch to see if teams are bringing a double team on him, okay? The problem is he's waiting so long to wait for a double team. It's kind of paralysis by analysis. He's holding on the ball too long. And his teammates are not moving without the ball to help him. And that combination of the indecisiveness and the offense stagnating, it's, it's turning into a bad product. And then I, I also think, and this is, some, this is what I go back to my thoughts at the beginning of the year, I think Caleb losing all that weight has actually lost some strength. I think his diet may be hurting him. This is just, just from what I can see observing him throughout the year. I don't think he's as strong in finishing at the rim this year. And the numbers certainly show it. His field goal percentage is way down. And it's not like he's being doubled anymore. He was being doubled with a lot less, less help around him last year. So it's not like this is new. Teams have always doubled and triple teamed him. But I don't think he's handling it physically. I don't think he's handling the physicality and the length at the rim and finishing as well as he was. And I think that's become a problem. So the indecisiveness when he gets the ball, waiting for the double to come or not come, and the lack of finishing at the rim, along with his teammates just kind of standing and watching for him to make a move, I think that's why, one of many reasons, not the only reason, but why the offense is stagnating at times. So I, I think his lack of post-finishing is hurting the offense. The confidence level up until the Minnesota game was really bad. I thought it got a little bit better against Minnesota. Washington looked a little more decisive with the ball, looking for a shot. He was hitting a few. The offense was better in spurts. We're still talking about some silly, unforced turnovers, but you can put up with a few of those if the offense is moving, you're in rhythm, you're making the defense move, you're getting second and third passes off the dribble, things like this. And this is something I, I thought was clicking at times against Minnesota, but they got a little cold at the end of the game when they needed to make plays. And, you know, they were loose with the basketball, didn't make a few shots. It was an inconsistent thing. They only scored 59 points, but they only had 58 possessions. That was a really, 
really slowly paced basketball game. A normal basketball game now is about 68 to 70 possessions, sometimes a hair over 70. So 58 ga- 58 possessions in that game against Minnesota, actually scoring 59 points is slightly above average. It's not good. I wouldn't call it good, but it, it is an average game. It wasn't that bad. There were signs from that game. I thought, you know, Ohio State, okay, this was a step in the right direction. The bottom line is they didn't get the win. And for some of you, that's all that matters. But you have to look at the bigger picture. When you're a struggling basketball team, sometimes the improvement's not always going to manifest itself in wins. You have to look at the, the details and are they getting a step in the right direction. I thought against Minnesota, they did that. At the end of the year, the wins and losses are what matters. That's what defines a team. That's how you're going to remember the success, okay, or failures. I'm not arguing that that's not the most important thing. Big picture, long run at the end of the season. But Ohio State is in a funk right now. We all know that. We can't expect it to all turn around immediately. You know, this stretch of losing for them happened gradually. It just didn't happen all at once. By the same token, they have got to gradually get better. And I thought they took a step in the right direction despite the loss against Minnesota. It was inconsistent, not a 40-minute basketball game, but there were glimmers of hope. I thought the same glimmers existed against Northwestern, and the game played out very similarly. The only difference is, this time around, Ohio State had timely shooting and made the plays down the stretch to win this basketball game. It's a small, small step for man, but it's a large leap for Buckeye kind. Okay, that's a game... They needed to find a way to win for their own confidence. The offense looked better. Even those first several possessions, other than the possessions when they were turning the ball over way too much, when they were actually getting a shot, I liked the shots that they were getting early in the game. They they just weren't falling, but they finally started to get hot there at the end of the first half, and they did it again midway through the second half and towards the end of the basketball game. D.J. Carton had an exceptional game. That's the best he's played in a while. The three-guard lineup, having Carton and Walker with either Ahrens or Washington on the floor at the same time, I thought that was a big shot in the arm for the Ohio State basketball offense. There were signs here that you could take away. I think the the three-guard lineup, the small lineup that Ohio State was putting out there, I think that's something they might be able to use going forward. They played well together as long as they can defend you know, Washington or Aarons being on with a couple guards, they're just going to have to stay in front of whoever they're guarding on the defensive end. And that is going to de- determine how successful they are down the stretch with those three guards. But if they can defend, score the points while not losing anything on the defensive end, then Ohio State has something clicking. So look, I think that this is two games where they've taken a step in the right direction. Now, it didn't, it didn't mean a win against Minnesota, and it only meant a win against a cellar-dwelling Northwestern team. So you could say, big deal, that's not helping with the tournament, and you're right. These, the loss against Minnesota did, certainly did not help them, and the Northwestern win will not help them as far as tournament resume is concerned. But you got to start somewhere. It's a glimmer of hope. It's not a finished product by any stretch of the imagination. I am concerned about Caleb. I think he's got to play better offensively. To be fair, by the way, I want to get this out in the open. 
Caleb is playing great basketball overall, okay? He's rebounding the ball as well as he ever has. He's playing defense as well as he ever has. He's playing a pretty good game screening. He's passing the ball fairly well outside of the post touches where he's being indecisive. The only thing that Caleb is not doing well is just the scoring. He's not finishing at the rim, and he's not hitting outside shots like he was. Okay, those are the only things that Caleb is not doing well. He's playing a great game all around. He's just got to put the ball in the basket. So I'm not trying to be critical of him because he's playing great outside of scoring, but Ohio State really needs his scoring. So cut down on the turnovers. Be smarter with the passes. Be aggressive. Get into the lane, but don't dribble aimlessly. Know where you're going. Don't just try to penetrate saying, well, I'm going to get to the basket. And then when you find out you get to the basket, you can't get to the basket. Well, you don't know what to do with the ball. And that's what Ohio State is doing. So they got to cut that out. The shooting seems to be getting better. They're not finishing at the rim very well. That's a weakness of this team right now. But the shooting itself overall, outside shooting especially, seems to be coming back to form just a little bit. So I think the offense is going to get back. Maybe not exactly to what it was early in the year. But I think it will be getting back to winning basketball. The defense overall has still been pretty good, but it has taken a small step back as far as guarding the perimeter, dribble penetration especially. The secondary defense has actually been pretty good overall, but they're giving up more dribble penetration, which means more secondary help, which means being exposed for kickouts for open three-pointers. So... Those are the things I look for for Ohio State to try to improve upon. They have Indiana coming to town this week. Another chance for Ohio State to get right. And I think these were small steps. It's not always going to manifest itself in wins. and wins. But if you give it enough time by the end of the season, we'll see what happens. Coming up next is Clemson's recruiting success. A reason to expand the playoffs. I'll explain in a moment. I know you're a listener of this podcast because you're here now. I'm sure you've heard all the great advertising working with Locked On to reach sports fans, but you may not know that Locked On Buckeyes is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Buckeye fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners, not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Buckeye fans and a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked on Buckeyes podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit lockedonpodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve locked on advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit locked slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. Ho hum. You hate to hear it. Clemson doing it again or recruiting success for the Tigers. Listen, this is par for the course. This is just, you have to expect Clemson is going to continue to get players. They weren't going to drop off the face of the earth. 
The good news is that while their classes the last couple of years have been insane in the number of five-star guys they're getting at the top, it's not like their entire class is pound for pound historically uh, on another level. They're, they actually did not have, in terms of per-player star ratings last year, the best class in the country. It was a exceptional class, so I'm not trying to say it's not. I'm not trying to downplay it, but I'm just saying this is kind of the territory for college football, okay? You know, I know this is shocking news, breaking news here. I, let, me, let me play the breaking news in my head. You can hear it too if you listen very closely. But really good programs land really good recruits. Alabama had the best recruiting class in, a, in the country for, what, 10 straight years? You know, this is just part of the territory. Elite programs land elite players. I know other programs are out there looking what Ohio State's doing right now, and every time Ohio State secures a commitment from another four- or five-star prospect, the country goes, man, again? How do you think Michigan fans are feeling about Ohio State's recruiting? So, uh, you know, cheer up, sleepy Gene. It's, uh, this is just part of the territory. Clemson is going to continue to land great players. But here is, I think, the deeper analysis of this. I think that, again, I know we have discussed this so many times before, but I think a 18 playoff is coming. And I actually think this is great timing for the sport. We spend so much time debating whether or not four teams or eight teams is the right number as far as crowning a champion. We don't spend enough time on what I think is the bigger picture, and that is what is good for the sport as a whole. And I think an A-team playoff will cure some of the parity issues in college football. It's not going to stop Alabama from landing a lot of five stars or Clemson landing more or Ohio State. But what it will do is by expanding the field further, by adding more teams to the championship playoff model, you're going to have more parity in recruiting eventually. Because what eventually will happen, more teams will win games in the playoff, more teams will have access to the playoff, and you're going to see recruits start going to other schools. It's going to be a slow process, but eventually other schools will have a chance to get crowned the national champion, and that is going to allow them to find more success in recruiting. I mean, let's look at the access right now. All of the championships have been won by Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and LSU. The only teams that have been to the playoff multiple times, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and Oklahoma. Only four teams so far have been to the playoff multiple times. We need better access to a championship event for college football. And then you're not going to see Clemson or Alabama, or even, I know you don't want to hear this, even Ohio State clean up quite as much in recruiting. It's going to help parity. And so I think what is best for the sport, and it's not just about finding the right number of teams to crown a champion, it's creating more parity in college football. And I know some of you don't want to go the way of college basketball, 68 teams right now. But college basketball also has 353 teams. So 68 is not, it's not an outrageous number. It's not an outrageous proportion of college basketball making the postseason. 
But college football has 138, 130 teams, I'm sorry, 131, I think it is. It's not out of the realm of reasonable debate to say expanding to eight teams is good for the, the sport because you're still only getting a very small, finite percentage of college football making the playoff. But those four extra teams are going to help scheduling because if you're crowning conference champions with a couple at-large bids, you're going to incentivize teams going out and scheduling better in the non-conference. You're going to have more teams playing one another because they're not afraid for these big September matchups. And then you're going to have more parity in recruiting because, as I said, more teams will have access to the playoff. That's going to make recruits the top tier recruits feel more comfortable going to different programs because they know they can go win a title. Right now, the reason recruits go to Alabama or Clemson or Ohio State is because those are the programs they know will be in the playoff that have a chance to win a title. Are you going to see a five-star going to Michigan right now? No. Why? Because it's a huge gamble. It's a huge risk. If you want to win a national title, unless you have an insane number of other recruits in your class making the same commitment, making the same plunge, you're taking a big risk because you may not make the playoff in four years in Michigan. And narrator, you won't. <laughs> right now, you certainly won't. But if there's an 18 playoff, I'm not exactly making a good debate here. I'm not making a good stance because I know some of you are listening and say, well, I don't want Michigan in the playoff. So maybe I'm not helping myself here. But in general, let's look at a different team. If you were a fan of Oregon or uh, Texas or whoever, it doesn't matter who you're a fan of. But if you're a fan of a team that is a good program but is on the outside looking in, this is great for you. This is great for college football because at least you have something you don't have right now at the start of the season, and that's hope. You should not go into a season thinking, man, I look at the schedule, I look at my team, we've got – a great chance of going 11 and 1 and 12 and 1. But do we really have a chance at a playoff? I'm not sure that's good for college football. You can't win almost all of your games and think you still don't have a chance to even play for a title. So Clemson's recruiting is really good right now, but so is Ohio State and Alabama and LSU and a lot of other programs. That's not going to change. And if you go to eight teams, it's not to say Clemson won't dominate or Ohio State or whoever. But I say when the A-team come, when the A-team model comes, and it is coming soon, it's still, I'm adamant that it is coming. I don't know when, but within the next few years, we're going to see it. But when that happens, when that day comes, I think it's going to help college football with parity. So I say don't sweat. When you see Clemson get another five-star commitment, like Corey Foreman, the number one player in the 2021 class on Sunday, hey, it's part of the process. It's part of the deal. You know they're not going anywhere. They're going to be a good program. Don't be intimidated by this. But I think getting to that eight-team platform, that's going to help college football scheduling, recruiting, and I think it's going to be a better system. I, just, I do. And I, I get the debate. Some people want to stay at four. But I think you have to look beyond. Is four the right number? Is eight the right number? Four is probably the right number in most years with truly elite teams. But the problem is those every two, three, four, five years that an elite team is left out because of a subjective debate, a subjective rationale, 
or the committee just getting it wrong, by going to eight, you eliminate those outliers and you make sure that everybody that wins it, they have earned it. They will have gone through. And if, if, they, if the best team winds up winning an eight-team playoff, so what? That means they won the game, they earned it. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't change anything. But at least you make sure that if you're a top four team, you're in the playoff no matter what. So, hey, Clemson's really good. They're going to keep recruiting like this. It's just part of the deal. But don't fret it. College football is going to be better off in 10 years. Mark my word. Remember this day, January 27th, 2020, Lock on Buckeyes podcast where I said, hey, college football, it's going to benefit from an 18 playoff. Mark my words. That's going to do it for today. Thanks for listening, everybody. Make sure you tell everybody about the Locked on Buckeyes podcast on your favorite podcasting platforms. Find us on Apple, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, etc., etc. Find me on Twitter at KYLAM8. Find the show at Locked on Buckeye. Truly, thank you for listening. We'll be back with more Ohio State football and basketball conversation tomorrow on the Locked on Buckeyes podcast. Have a great day, everybody.